All rights were gained at the start of this podcast production. All rights not gained are reworded in order to avoid all and every type of plagiarism. This is a monologue, so just as a fair, complete, and accurate warning, trigger warning, is advised. Saddleback Church, whose name has always sounded like one of those horseback riding facilities where you're most likely going to end up getting hospitalized three hours later because you weren't given proper instructions and never rode a horse in your life, while also reminding you of that one time of that wild first date where she never texted you back after you went bungee jumping for some reason, where you also were not given proper instructions, has been an increasingly continuous trouble with its main church plant of the Southern Baptist Convention, which unlike Saddleback Church, ends up sounding like that science camp co-op that you were forced to go to when you were younger for some reason, because as most parents know, all younger children should already be able to fully understand the most complex notions of physics and chemistry, why they themselves as complete adults have no idea, which in the context of the Southern Baptist Convention might sound completely and necessarily accurate, considering the Israelites did the same thing when they were homeschooling their children. Although the Southern Baptist Convention might have a problem with horseback riding from a Christian perspective, considering they're actually unbiblical animals, since they look like a camel, in fact, which is also one of God's creations, which the Southern Baptist Convention might also be unfamiliar with, as they press more assuredly on the thought and mindset that all female pastors in association with Saddleback Church should be fired, excommunicated, and expelled due to the fact that they have quote-unquote standards and due to the fact that Paul the Apostle worked with women in ministry, which simply somehow reiterates the fact that women cannot be pastors, at least according to the Southern Baptist Convention. They draw this conclusion from a stern reading of 1 Timothy 2.12, where they're only reading the 2.12 part and not the 2.1-15 part, discussing the reformation of women and men, and highlighting that women sin first, which means men never sinned, which means that men should stay single, which means that women worked in the church with Timothy, which means women can't be pastors, at least according to the Southern Baptist Convention. Another reason why women cannot be pastors is obviously the fact that the Bible calls women sisters, while the Bible calls men brothers, which of course doesn't mean that women are equally able to do good works in the church and the community, which means women can't go to church, which means in the biblical context of the Bible that the Middle East is just the deep south in America, which in fact is what every single theologian knows, which means women cannot be pastors according to the Southern Baptist Convention in California. Another reason is the fact that Deborah was a female leader over Israel, where she led the army of Israel in battle against their enemies, since she was chosen by God in order to do so, which means that women can't serve in the army and should just shut up all the time, and that women can't be pastors, at least according to the Southern Baptist Convention. Another reason is that a cult prostitute named Rahab in the Old Testament, whose name literally means arrogance, overcame her arrogance, of which her name literally means, in order to lead and sneak out mean spies out of Canaan before Deborah led the armies of Israel into battle later on against their enemies, which means that men should stay single, which means that women should use their bodies for attention like Rahab, which, which means men can't fight in the army, which means women can't go to church, which means women cannot be pastors, at least according to the Southern Baptist Convention. Or perhaps the most obvious fact is the fact that Jesus had a mother named Mary who gave birth to him, who would later on, since he was Jesus Christ, be the Savior of the world and also be called and chosen to do so as a woman to give birth to the Savior and as a result of early church history eventually was reiterated over and over and over and over again until Catholicism and Christianity spread all throughout the world as a whole in the fact that Jesus himself also said that the Holy Spirit would fall on all people and all nations, which includes men, women, and children, and the children that would most likely be future men and future women, which the Southern Baptist Convention clearly means that it only means men, since men should stay single, since women cannot be pastors, at least according to the Southern Baptist Convention. As they begin to carry out their plot to destroy the League of Legends tournament forever, before it happens again, due to the fact that video games are actually a prime symbol for Babylon, since Babylon used to hold the world record in League of Legends after the Egyptians held the record for Minecraft, which of course is why they were able to make those pyramids so well, while also waiting for the latest Xbox to come out, which in response would require dancing, 
which is not approved by the Southern Baptist Convention, since women cannot be pastors, according to the Southern Baptist Convention. And another controversial argument taking place, particularly in the South, people globally, which simply means NPR, have been continuously complaining that they're feeling extremely uncomfortable as black individuals when white individuals invite them to visit their church because it's evangelical and they invited them because they're extremely friendly. One of the reasons might be tied to the fact that today is currently the 1850s, since it's currently 2023, which of course is the 1850s, and the fact that the super-friendly white individuals invited them to their evangelical church. Because of course, what screams hatred more than an invitation to praise the same Lord and Savior that you said you served the whole entire time as well? Another reason might be the fact that these white men and women are extremely close to breaking their world record in Galaga, of whom the Southern Baptist Convention is also trying to disassemble because it has to do with outer space, and the fact that such a blatantly stupid article was written by NPR and the New York Times, since women can't be pastors, at least according to the Southern Baptist Convention. This is the Cold Exclusive Podcast on Spotify, Anchor, and other platforms. Stay with us as we have three stories today, and we will get to the comment section from the last two episodes. we start off today, most of the time I would end up talking about this subject probably in more of a, a close, uh, close-centered doctrinal church that's closer to me versus all the way over in California. But particularly if you know me well, of course I've had my certain particular quarrels with uh, the church and particularly the Baptist denomination, but it's very important to discuss this type of issue and these types of issues with uh, female pastors and pastoral ministry in the church. As of course, as we'll get to later, it is very, very simplistically a easy way for people to either combat prosperity gospel and, pro and combat false gospels or for people to simply turn people away from the church as they tell continuously every single person that females shouldn't really have a higher place in the church. And really that interferes back to what culture you look at. But we'll be looking today as as to why specifically our culture should have women highly, highly involved. First, if you are starting to get into podcasting, you need to go to anchor.fm. It's where I do my show. And particularly, they give you your own RSS feed, and you can get an RSS feed uploaded to nearly every single platform available for free. Start today at anchor.fm, and you can start building your audience. So, as I said before, Saddleback Church, of course, when Googled, comes up in the region of California, because of course, and I'll get back to exactly why it's super important to have the correct viewpoint in this particular region. But as I said beforehand, this church, in a percentage vote of 30,000 votees, that somehow we're all in the same room, similar to the entirety of the UN and Supreme Court at the same time, but as a megachurch, voted to uphold the thought that men are the only individuals that can become and keep a pastoral office within the church. Which, of course, if you're going to argue particularly that women should not be a pastor, of course, you can particularly argue that they shouldn't be extremely higher up. Like, that is a pretty decently accurate statement. It's a pretty decently and only accurate argument to claim from this side of things. Like, yes, you can claim that women cannot be a pope. You can claim that they, you know, shouldn't particularly be a priest to an extent. You can claim particularly that they shouldn't hold a certain office. That's a pretty decent argument. But however, if you just sit there and say, well, they can't do anything, they can basically just have their own prayer life and show up and go home, that's great 
greatly, greatly limiting everything. It's, it's greatly limiting the whole of what they can do in ministry versus limiting a particular aspect to a particular standard. So from an article in the Religious News Service, Fern Creek Baptist, which I guess must of course be associated with the well-known and firmly established Southern Baptist Convention as we've talked about before, was the other church involved in this vote. Now, of course, if you have a quarter of your brain left, you might question this decisionary process and you might think, this is not even a vote. This is not even a debate. It's just a bunch of random people in a certain ministry or double ministry establishment coming together and just agreeing on every single adjacent thing that they possibly could. And of course, that the case will be, yeah, that's the exact case here. This, this isn't a debate at all. This isn't really a, even a vote primarily at all. It's just simply a swayed decision where basically everyone is voting in the exact same way. There was literally like, what, six people? Like the article said six people that went against the whole. So that's, that's basically, that's basically a completely, completely biased, opinionated ruling. It's, it's completely biased and it's not even really a ruling in one way or another. It doesn't make much sense how churches can stand like this because actually realistically this isn't even how the church councils of old even stood. The council of Nicaea was divided about a lot of things, but then particularly they came to certain extensive agreements when it came to, you know, should the book of Enoch be in the Bible? Should these other potentially Gnostic or completely Gnostic texts be there? And there was actually a decent amount of deliberation. Of course, not months and months and years and years and years of deliberation necessarily. It wasn't particularly like Greek philosophers talking about something for, you know, half of a full calendar year necessarily, but it did take a lot of persistent debate and there was a lot of pers persistent in debate involved in actually keeping books of the Bible that should belong there. And of course, versus the Catholic Church specifically, they would leave in the Book of Enoch for a while, but then they eventually took it out. And of course, the prime reasoning for that is Gnosticism. But of course, we're not talking about Gnosticism today. We're, full, we're fully and furthermore discussing, should women really be in church leadership? Should women literally be in church ministry? Well, see, I think they should be. Yes, there is certain limitations, but they should be in ministry and completely involved. Can they pray? Well, of course. So due to the fact that they can pray, that means that they should be able to exercise demons. That should mean that they should be able to do that. Because you have that connection to God and you have authority in Christ and everyone has authority in Christ should they accept authority in Christ. And of course, there's a lot of other means exactly why they should be pastors. So I will go over a couple of those today. And of course, it has to do with potential cultism. Should you turn in the opposite direction and say that women can't be in the leadership process. So obviously there was a huge problem with the voting process and it was highly flawed, but potentially if you do have a church community and you say women can basically hardly do anything else in church ministry, of course you are accepting the culture of the Bible to a particular extent, but it might not work as well with your particular culture appropriation. And that's basically the main quarrel I have with the Baptists because they tend to not realize that or they tend to ignore that the majority of the time. And of course, it is of course the exact opposite idea of a PhD really to begin with in this whole debate that they did because when you go to get a PhD, you're actually arguing for an argument. You're arguing for your case. And they essentially completely uprooted this PhD type of process in debate and they basically just said, hey, everyone, our full church, that full church, let's all just be in agreement, restabilize it. And as a result of that decision, they ended up just boot kicking these three or four pastors out. I think it was two, three or four pastors. They just booted them out. You just don't have a job anymore. And of course, the whole clarification here, obviously, when it comes to cults, is that we shouldn't want a church to be a cult at all. 
but we should assess and understand that people might not even want to consider walking through the double doors on Sunday if you do not allow women to actually be within the ministry. And from people's multiple walks of life, obviously, if you get them involved in ministry and you actually help them to overcome what they're dealing with through ministry partnerships and ministry counseling, then of course, that's obviously by itself going to steer them more closely to becoming a pastor or doing something for the Word of God, which is obviously something that we need. Now, quite clearly, if you notice the location of the church, as I said before, it's clear why this viewpoint is there on women in the church. The floor debate, which again was really just not a debate at all, but mostly consisted of a bunch of pastors telling people certain mindsets over and over again, like a parent telling a child that they have that they can't have ice cream in the morning. The area of this whole church debate is done in the middle of New Orleans, which is a large area for the unreached and unbelieving. Now, very straightforwardly, this is an area of the United States besides, you know, of course, the middle of Utah, where the Christian church tends to compete with the Mormon church all the time. But New Orleans is one of the largest hubs in the U.S. for strip clubs, gang violence, drugs, other abuses, another unfortunate room for other forms of prosperity gospel and other false teachings that redirect people away from Christ. Generally here, we're going to reach a larger amount of women specifically and a larger amount of people in different communities as long as we're not limiting women in this way. And of course, this is a huge, highly successful argument in the whole topic of discussion when, when, when you bring this case here, when you say, hey, we actually have to get as many people involved as possible, and as a result, spread the faith as much as possible. Because really, what people, what, what people have when they have a problem with, say, Catholicism is they have this problem that women are limited. They have this problem that women are, to an extent, limited to the service of being a nun. And of course, obviously, a lot of people don't like the whole idea that they, you know, they'll, they'll have to limit sexual activity to zero. They'll have to do, you know, certain chores and certain catered events with the church or the parish, or they have to do certain simplistic stuff, and then you feel like you're not even doing anything at all. And they end up feeling like they're extremely limited. And definitely with a changing lifestyle, people are only going to feel limited. You know, the 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds that are buying into this feminism garbage, this anti-feminism garbage, if you will, where women should just run around and sexualize themselves and have no clothes on and just do all this stuff, you're not going to get these women involved in Catholicism or Christianity or really anything at all, telling them that they're just limited all the time. Of course, feminists and people way on the left also tend to make the church uh, to most likely steer in a leftist direction as well if you try to limit them. Because obviously they're going to go to mainstream feminism and they're going to say, I'm a female, I, I you know can pave my own way, I'm a strong independent woman, all that stuff. And then it ends up, which is good to certain extents, but it tends to make them lean more towards you know homosexuality, homosexual people should be pastors and priests and deacons, you know. Why don't we have a homosexual pope? You know, why why don't we just change every single aspect to be in connection with the left? That's that's what you get. And and thus of course you get a re re involved and upside down and flip flopped version of Christianity. And also let's discuss the context here in another concept of what's meant by all people when it comes to spiritual gifts. Because all people when it comes to all people literally means all people. And of course, if you limit women, that's obviously not all people. And of course, cult formations could take advantage of that. And they could say that, well, actually, we think that every single woman alive is a medium and they have this medium, you know, capability and they can predict things. Then that'll get more women involved and then we could potentially have more women involved in whatever in the hell is going on over there versus an actual church scenario. For instance, there's other cults that have had highlights of women all the time. So in, in a way that's particularly unhealthy, for instance, Charles Manson's cult that became extremely dark and evil in ways, of course, that we'll get into later when we discuss the Manson family, but they limited women in an extreme way too, and then they ended up commanding them to do murders, which is literally what happened. So of course, people can interpret that here as a way of the church controlling us, you know, 
from their side of the perspective, the church controlling us as women. We're controlled. We can't do anything. And as a result, they just break away, run, you know, barefoot out the doors and just run away. That's basically what's going to happen. Now, as another example in a time during the Romans, and we'll get to the next story soon, but this is another way where the you know feminist movement ultimately has become more non-religious and more sacrilegious in a way. So in the Roman period, there was a lot of accomplishments associated with women, particularly with sexuality and when they actually, you know, would have sex with higher-ups and the government and things of that sort. And they, again, were very, 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 very limited. And, of course, this goes with our governmental system today, which is a low blow to feminists who want to argue that selling your body sexually should be separated as a job career. We really, we really literally do that today on OnlyFans. That's what OnlyFans is. It's getting women to essentially accept the fact that whoring your body out is a job now, which of course is going to steer them even more so from the church. So according to History.com, women can only do the following actions when it comes to family life. Some of the many roles were as follows. Priestess, which is still just sexuality over again. And of course, that's what feminists have, you know, jumped on. They've jumped on the priestess boat. You'll get on random Instagram accounts and you'll see, oh, priestess, I'm a priestess, I'm an empress. Uh, that's all the same thing. It's all cult sexuality. That's that's all the exact same thing. And goddess is the same thing too. And it's furthermore connected to the occult all the time, as it, as the first two technically are, but it's just it's just complete sexuality. That's literally all that is. And of course, it was shop shop owner was one, but of course that specifically catered to men, so it wasn't exactly the same thing. And of course, there was motherly figure and things of that sort. And that's technically good, but it's still vastly limited. And of course, feminists of today would just direct that right back to the church. They'd say, well, I'm limited, so why should I be there? So here I have to notice first two big details. Ancient Rome had the stay-at-home narrative for mothers, which is good, because mothers should, should to an extent, be stay-at-home and raise children. They should do that if they can. But the second half of that list is just only sexual in nature. It's all sexual. It's literally embracing the fact that sexual slavery is good and should be viewed as a job, because that's basically what it is. And, of course, this can ultimately make women feel like abandoning the faith. And, of course, now here again, the higher notion is that these megachurches actually build up a hopefully newfound, and they should build up this hopefully newfound faith system where women should be in leadership and completely connected in every single way, shape, and form. They should be connected in the church, and that can ultimately get them out of this self-sexual enslavement. And of course then, we can get back to actual feminism, which isn't man-hating, but allows women to be up in leadership. So from a very, very short article from NPR that's literally so short that it almost seems that they're trying to hide it, Similar to when you were in high school and you had to, to a certain extent, barely fulfill that average amount of pages for the small paper that takes 2.2 seconds for chat DPT to write. Every single aspect of this article as discussed beforehand in the monologue when I referenced it, it's just simply ridiculous. Just 100% unreal. Like why, why they would ever even write this. And it's literally only for the means of separating white individuals from black individuals on purpose. Essentially, they're saying, ultimately, like th this is basically the whole of the article, saying that black individuals are not feeling welcome in white evangelical churches because, get this, they're different. That's basically the whole entire flow of the argumentation. African churches are different. Black churches are different. Therefore, Black people should just assume to be uncomfortable in white churches. That's literally the whole entire article. So it says, and you can find this, quote, black praise in white pews when your church doesn't love you back. Unquote. That's the whole article. That's the title. Now, of course, it opens up with the classic and absolute classic phrase referring to how a person can only associate with a church uh, of their liking that specifically goes with their background. And of course, it 
mentions the whole topic of racist issues all the way back and you know Methodism and things of that sort which that did exist that did in fact insist, exist in the 30s, 40s, and 50s that did in fact exist and it's not good but of course as I mentioned today today is not that time period we're at a completely different time period so of course we should stand to want to you know differentiate ourselves from that time period and actually do things in a constructive Christian way which is literally what most people are trying to do Literally right away here, all they're trying to do is separate. They're trying to separate the races. That's exactly what they're trying to do. It describes one instance, apparently, where a black man who calls himself JC describes that moving from a black church to a white evangelical church made him overall feel as though the church invites you in the church, but it's not exactly built for you. Why? Well, well because it's different. Apparently, it's different. If, apparently, you'll walk into a different church and it will be different. Apparently, you can go to a different country and it will be different. So as a result, just don't go at all. And it's extremely hazardous. It's, it's extremely hazardous to the whole of Christian doctrine anyway, because then it tries to make people separate all the time. It tries to make people, oh, well, well, don't go to a Brazilian church. Don't go to a Spanish church. Oh, they speak Spanish and not English all the time. So don't even go. As that's basically the idea. They're saying it's too different so you'll feel uncomfortable instead of simply going, appreciating it, and being more comfortable with it as you go. That's the whole topic here. It's literally quiet segregation. It's quiet church segregation. Like That's the whole idea. And it's more secretive, of course, in the way that they're doing it. Instead of saying that white individuals and black individuals can be on the same space, they're literally using social boundaries of culture in order to separate people versus trying to relate people together as a result of what the gospel should do. It should relate people and evangelicalize. Like That's literally what an evangelical church stands for. Now, of course, how are different people particularly just doing this on the fly, doing this in the way that they're trying to do it or what they're meant to do by their surrounding culture? How in a sense, does Mormonism recruit? Of course, Mormonism is a cult, and, you know, how I describe it, a cult world religion versus a world religion, but here's exactly what they're doing. So just to fully elevate and completely highlight this in a way that's understandable, this comes directly from uh, the Mormon website. Uh, it says that whatever your life is missing, God can help you find it. Meet with missionaries to start. A missionary visit can offer a lot of things, answers, assurance, and peace, unquote. Then they literally have a portal where you can legitimately sign up to personally meet with missionaries on the Mormon missionary field, closest to you. They're literally doing the exact opposite. This is, this is literally allowing a cult religion to undermine Christianity in a better way by numbers, because they're doing the exact opposite of what this NPR article is doing. Now, on the basis of mainstream and completely worldwide religion and Catholicism as another example, and of course this is the first time I ever went to confession particularly, but I've been to confession twice. I tend to do it as much as I can because I think it's good. And legitimately, a lot of people at first, they suspect that like you can't, you can't go there. You can't go there unless you're practicing Catholic or they'll... They'll think you don't know what you're doing. Like the first time I went, I got walked through, you know, walked through the full steps with a priest that I wasn't able to see on the other side of the wall, on the other side of the, you know, inside room. If you're familiar with how Catholicism works, so I literally confessed. I did the whole entire thing. I actually, got pretty decent emotion, decently emotional with it because that's how sinning should make you feel, and. It was a real eye-opening and heart-opening type of thing that I actually took part in. And of course, most people would think you can't do that unless you're Catholic. You know, you have to know what you're doing. You know, no one's going to accept you. And of course, that's not the case at all. People will accept you. And it's meant to accept you. That That's how you accept a belief, no matter if it's a cult or if it's a cult world religion or if it's a world religion to begin with. That's how it happens. 
as truthfully as possible and anybody no matter who reads this article again there's a reason why it's incredibly short mostly because it's completely ridiculous but of course it's literally saying completely opposite to the Catholic and Mormon example that if you're an African mixed race individual or a white African or a black man or a black woman there should only be discomfort naturally of course this article is completely backwards to say that there should be natural comfort or natural discomfort in the first place yes cultures are different but if you have to literally assume that you're going to be uncomfortable no matter what then you're missing the big picture entirely of how it's meant to be spread and of course you have to look at ethics what is it meant by what is it standing for and you have to notice that and be appropriate with that and understand it you can't just blindly walk into anything but we as white Americans are meant to preach to black Americans and black Americans are meant to preach to white Americans and Middle Eastern individuals are meant to preach to Africans who are meant to preach to other Middle Eastern individuals who are meant to preach to white people who are meant to preach to black people. Well, we're all meant to preach to everyone regardless of our culture. And everyone should be spreading the faith regardless of the race basis and should be clarifying that obviously like we talked about before, both sexes should be able to do it as well. Now think about this, of course, just going on the topic one last time. How a church would look if they highlighted the concept in that way. Imagine if you went on a church website and it said, oh, yeah, we're, we're an all-white church. And you should expect to be uncomfortable. Like, imagine if that was the title of the church. Like, we're a white church, except to be un- expect to be uncomfortable church. Of course, that would just be blatantly out in the open, just uncalled for, messed up, strange, weird. No one would go to that place. And obviously, that's that's not what churches do nowadays. That's not what they do. It's not what cults do. That's not what minor, major religions do. That's not what cult religions do. Of course, we have to 100% completely insinuate the fact that all races are welcome. And everyone's welcome regardless of their background. Now we're going to get to another story that hinders the ministry of true Christianity. But first, I know for a fact that the majority of Americans enjoy coffee. But of course, it has, come, it has to come from the best source imaginable. Over 70% of people in America drink coffee, at least in the morning or at night. And it should be preferred that the coffee comes from a source that's not only conservative, but also stands with the military and everyone else who keeps us safe in our day-to-day lives. Black Rifle Coffee also exceeds expectations when it comes to taste, quality, and literally everything associated with coffee and complete quality. And it, of course, was started by a Green Beret who served in the military, who serves with those who serve us, and they have perfected flavors in their company, such as the AK-47 Dark Roast and more. And, of course, they're big supporters of the Second Amendment, Go online and make your purchases today and even get same-day shipping. Okay, so the next story is horrifically terrible. And as we talked about cults earlier and how they function, it's very, very important to figure out which cults are terrible and which cults you should not follow. And, And really, all the time, you really shouldn't follow a cult in general. But it's openly bad when people do not view how important religion is all across America. And of course, when they ignore stories of primary religion and particularly self-destructive cults, they don't look at religion as important. And as a result, they're completely caught off guard when they go through a hard trying time. And they're, as a result, very, very vulnerable. So in Nairobi, which is the capital of Kenya, which it's very unfortunate that this happened in the capital and was formed in the capital, meaning it has the potential to spread throughout the whole of the community, and thankfully I don't think it did. And it has just all self-destructive behaviors involved, as what happens with most famous cult groups. But the cult under the name of Good News National Church, or Good News International Church, which apparently has been operating for two whole decades, within the past two years, there's been a lot of postings online, Somehow it has turned 
uh, at the time of this particular article, 130 bodies, but later on there's over 300 bodies that have been discovered, and as a result, the pastor's thankfully been arrested, but everything's going down over there in Nairobi, and it's just extremely terrible. There, The reason for that is it slowly but surely developed into a suicide cult. Basically, he told his followers that they should starve themselves in order to meet Jesus, which is completely horrific and backwards. It's literally just completely hijacked by demons. It's completely hijacked by uprooted, horrible theology. And it's, of course, the idea that you should press on to meet Jesus, but in a way that is completely copied from multiple other cults. That's how you can figure out that this is literally a cult of demons that is basically using this pastor to kill people. It's horrible. It's terrible. And that's, of course, why people need to appropriate themselves with religion and, and realize what cults you should follow and what cults you should never follow and what cults you should know, what cults you shouldn't know, what cults you 100% shouldn't be involved in, which quite literally you shouldn't be involved in any. But in one of his messages, it was extremely fiery and it was this whole fire and brimstone attribute, which is very common in these types of cults. But there's a banner all the way in the background when he was talking. And it reads, We are about to win the battle, let no one turn back. The journey is about to be accomplished on the screen. Now, this is flat out a re-alliteration of the People's Temple. Like, the People's Temple leader literally said almost that same exact thing in different words. Literally the same thing. And of course it made people do these self-destructive things against themselves. And he literally fooled them into doing so with his words. And even later on in the article, it mentioned that he had a YouTube channel where these were posted. And it, and it was entitled, quote, The End Time Kids, unquote, in which he had young children delivering messages on the screen. Now, of course, thankfully, this is no longer on YouTube. But as I said before, it was allowed to be on YouTube for two years. Two years. Why he did his whole cult movement for 10, maybe even upwards of 20. Now, of course, this is the biggest question that needs to be answered. Why was it up for two years? And why was this group functioning for two whole decades? Why did no one popularize that this cult was even a thing? Why is it that literally everyone in the whole region didn't say this was a thing, and as a result, everyone in America didn't know this was a thing? Surely, perhaps, maybe the FBI, maybe the CIA, maybe some form of government, some form of social media, some form of something could have said, this is going on. But none of them did. Why in the world is that? Of course, why would that possibly be the case? And of course, more dangerous attributes. There were examples of false exorcisms where he was said to have been, quote, torturing the demons within mostly female individuals, unquote, for some reason. And of course, that was supposed to make his appearance look like an actual pastor. Now, of course, there's an important aspect here to keep in mind. The Bible also says, do not take pride that they listen to you, but cast them out in my name. And that's literally Jesus talking to his disciples there. And this has been copied by televangelists over and over and over and over and over. By prosperity gospels over and over and over. And they do it completely in complete ridiculous ways. And, of course, what is going on here on a final perspective, which is even more alarming. Thankfully, he's arrested. But the fact that Kenya actually does deal with religious tribal perspectives that do communicate with spirits, that, of course, was an open door here. And he basically used what's called Denjikai. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, perhaps, from actually a Buddhist practice where the Buddhist practicer restricts their intake of food and potentially water for as long as potentially a week, which is extremely dangerous, but it's meant to increase the likelihood of enlightenment. He literally took this enlightenment idea and put, hey, starve yourselves and you'll see Jesus. Just a completely horrific issue. And see, this is why it's so important. 
If you don't study cults, you don't study religion, you don't know what you believe, you don't even think about what you think you believe, you could fall for something like this. Because they're, these instigators of manipulation are masters of manipulation. So you, quite clearly it shows why the Bible is true, because you have to know what the Bible says in order to con counteract what they say. So that is extremely, extremely important and something to keep in mind. Now, as of now, this false teacher is in prison currently, as he should be, but he could potentially be released after next month, which certainly should not be the case. But of course, that's why we ultimately need to preach the true gospel and, of course, put the proper people behind bars as a result when they do horrific things with their practices. I know a lot of people out there are looking forward to sweeping the leaves and doing yard work before and during the immediate winter that will happen of course after October for some reason which will be here before we know it you can get completely ready by acquiring the boots and leather clothing of Timberland of course for years Timberland has been the world's number one source for leather products boots and clothing in order for your leather boots to last potentially until you are old and gray and you can give them to your sons and daughters their products literally last forever I've had mine forever and of course they're actually doing a special right now where you can get the Timberland Norton Ledge for only $70, which is a big price difference compared to $140, as well as their hiking boots for only $60, and you can get big savings before hopefully getting you know the decent savings you need before winter rolls around, and perhaps even later for the Christmas season, which will also be here before you know it. You simply need to go and shop Timberland, and the whole entire time you can get savings all online. Shop with them today, and get your family the leather boots that they need to succeed with their outdoor activities. So I was going to get to one final story, but I'm kind of running low on time, so we might get to it next time. I wanted to answer some audience uh, questions and audience responses here at the end. So yesterday I discussed a question on my Facebook feed, and I just simply said, is Latin a holy language, yes or no? Of course, this answer is from one of my mentors. He said, at times. So yes, I would agree with that. I think particularly it depends on the culture and the language involved for the culture, of course. And as they relate to it, it completely means something. They understand it or is involved in their culture specifically and rooted in their culture specifically. Yet at the same time, I am in favor to an extent that Latin, Greek, and Arabic are different than other languages since they're biblical. And if the Bible is true, then course those languages have a lot of meaning of course besides the languages that people don't really speak anymore which often can be used by evil as well and of course that's used particularly against Christians and of course I think it should get people more interested in doing Rosetta Stone or learning another language although the Holy Spirit can just simply hijack you and get you to speak a language for a certain particular purpose and another response says, what do you mean by holy language? If you mean that a certain language is more God-honoring than another and therefore holy, I would say that all languages are equal. Latin is a language that we der derive a far number of current languages and early Catholic Bibles written in it, but it doesn't make it any more sacred than French, Russian, or English. I believe William Tydale had this argument when he uh, had it with the Catholic Church fi 500 years ago. He ended up dead, but we ended up with the English Bible common people can actually understand. Well, yes, yes. I'm not sure why you first off had to say uh, Tydale died, because, yeah, of course he did. But I do see your point. I would actually state my position here that Latin has a large point, since it's mainly used in exorcism by the Catholic Church, and it's useful, as well as regardless of if you are Catholic or Protestant. Now, people in a Protestant church can use Latin, and it still works just as well. My thought here is that what was exactly the first language spoken? And if the first language spoken was ancient Aramaic, then you might, you know, have an argument more steered toward my side here. Of course, Latin wasn't the first, and of course, yes, there are a lot of Lat a lot of languages that go off of Latin, but particularly that might, you know, be in connection with saying that other languages that are directly connected to Latin could protect could potentially be technically more holy, like a kind of steers that way in your argument a little bit but of course I won't exactly say 
Uh, yeah, and I know you're trying to call me out here, but I know I wouldn't exactly say more holy exactly. I'm not really going for a more holy attribute. It's just the, the spiritual situation thing where using a language, a particular language specifically for something versus just, you know, speaking a, a different language that's not entirely biblical might have, you know, not as much of a effect, perhaps, is what I'm saying, which I'm not even sure if I exactly mean to imply that specifically, because the Holy Spirit uses all languages, as you said before. No language is better than another. But of course, it is pretty decently interesting how Latin particularly, and particularly Spanish, and particularly other languages that come off of Latin are used in exorcism all the time. So another comment says, historically, yes, biblically, no. Okay, so yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with you here. Uh, historically and biblically should go together. You shouldn't say historically, yes, biblically, no, because then you're kind of differentiating histor historicity from biblical standard to an extent. They should completely go together. And I know you mean historically, like the history of the church. You know, this is what... The Catholic Church said, this is what a church said. I know that's what you mean by implying that statement. But if we completely highlight that the Bible is true, and we aren't highlighting that something to be you know, taken in the Bible to a certain extent should just simply be figurative, which that hardly ever happens, in my viewpoint and perspective. But historicity and biblical standards should go together. You shouldn't really say, you know, historically, yes. Biblically, no, because God uses history for biblical standards. So, uh, last responses here from the Ancient Aliens episode from Anonymous23. says, I would assume that you think the same way on the whole mermaid controversy. You haven't explored the whole ancient floor, but could there be a chance that mermaids do exist and aliens don't, or vice versa? Well, not really. Because, quite frankly, yeah, I'm not an expert on genetics when it comes to potential theistic evolution because I think that's quite clearly the only way that evolution can possibly exist. It has to be God allowing that to happen. But how would fish DNA be mixed with humans and then, you know, evolve afterwards? Like, how does that exactly take place? Because evolution from an atheistic standpoint says things just evolved because they decided to randomly. And of course, you then therefore can't say that. It has to be a God allowing it to happen type of thing, which obviously, particularly with how you worded your phraseology there, I'm going to say you might not be particularly religious. But also there's the issue that we've never found any type of sunken city type establishment. And we also haven't found a skeleton that goes with what you're saying. We've just found very weird, like fake human hybrid documentaries that were literally made by like some 21 year old who does special effects or whatnot. Maybe Pixar made them, who knows, secretly. But no, that 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 won't really that won't really work. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And plus their intelligence will probably be limited too. Like they'd be limited to, you know, specifically the species that they are. Like it's kinda strange to actually explain how human intelligence is technically above animal intelligence. That's another problem. Because if we were just some form of humanoid back then, then that means we technically have to evolve into the smarter humans of today. But how would that exactly work without our full brain being completely changed? Uh, so, last one coming from on the flip side at 22, which I don't know what that means, but says, okay, maybe I'm the only one who thinks this, but I'm going to say it. I think that aliens essentially created everything, created all religions to begin with. Yeah, um, yeah, so I know, first of all. Second of all, why are you ending that with a question mark that's not proper penmanship? And third, perhaps you are the only one in this feed that might believe that. <laughs> Surely I don't, but no, you're not the only person of all time. See, the, the biggest issue I have with this whole concept of aliens created religion or some other 
type of thing that's non-religious created all religions. The issue with that is you have to be religious to come up with other religions to begin with. So that doesn't make sense. And also the other attribute with the whole UFO thing that doesn't make sense is the fact that when people look too deeply into UFOs and they think, oh, they're, they're going to come visit us and they're at my doorstep and I can have the aliens are going to come and all that stuff. Like, it ends up being a cult because you end up wanting to worship them or you end up wanting to study them at the very least. And in fact, the whole idea of aliens to know more than us simply will become a cult idea. And it always has really become a cult idea. Either it's atheists not knowing what on earth they're like trying to discuss, or it's people saying they know too much and it becomes a cult movement. And of course, later on, we will be talking about all those cult movements. I think I will be doing a full-on uh, summary of the UFO cults. I think I'm going to be getting into about five episodes of that, maybe even ten episodes of that, which is just UFO cults that we're going to be discussing. But that'll probably be something that you might want to listen to so that you know, you're not confused on this whole UFO thing. Which, of course, if UFOs... Uh, did exist, that would be pretty cool, but I just don't really think there's a point of it. And due to the fact that, you know, they're all the way out there in outer space, and if we didn't have a way to clearly communicate with them now, then obviously probably God wouldn't want us to. And then, of course, what's the point of having that creation bring glory to him if they're just, you know, not even anywhere close to us? Because the point of normal animals is to bring a thought and reality to the fact that, you know, God made the giraffe, God made the alligator, God made the orangutan, God made all these animals. And as a result, you know, it's meant to bring him praise and glory. And, you know, yes, the, out, the outward areas of outer space are meant to bring him glory too, but at the same exact time, you know, why why would it be that we can't see the you know the alien glory if you will and and even again that's the other issue like any way you phrase it it ends up sounding like a strange cult group so that's another thing that doesn't really work super well but thank you for everyone that uh had the comments on facebook and had the comments on reddit and my discord we, of course, will get into the those UFO cults, uh, UFO cults later, and we will leave it there for today. Thanks to everyone who left a comment on Anchor or Facebook or Reddit or Discord. I will do those periodically as we go through other episodes, and we will leave it there, there for today. Have a good day, and take care.